What's happening across America these days is a very public contest of ideas with major consequences, big and often bad actions, and a battle for the power to make changes. What role do we have in all this? I'm Sheila Logminas. You're in the Forum. What can we do to engage ideas in the public arena or marketplace of ideas when there's so much tension, anger, and hostility out there, and it seems people are either on the shouting side or the silent one? Catherine Jean Lopez is here to talk about that because she's so good about engaging ideas in media, social media and otherwise, in conversations with goodwill and charity. Catherine's a senior fellow at the National Review Institute's Center for Religion, Culture and Civil Society and an editor-at-large of National Review. She's the author of A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. We need that right now, Catherine, more than ever, I think. Thank you for being here. That's for sure. We do. We, we, you know, so when I said that, either on the shouting side or the silent one, what are your thoughts on the fact that it really pretty much is that out there in the arena of ideas today? And it's, it's more of an, a, a gladiatorial arena. But the arena of ideas is either there are all these groups shouting, and then there are a whole lot of good people silent because they're really afraid. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I think that this is all one massive invitation for us as Christians to take the lead in being seriously Christian in, um, in the world. Um, the, the Be Not Afraid line, um, is an invitation to really living, living through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, so many people listening are probably confirmed Catholics, and um, very both baptized and confirmed Catholics. Mm-hmm. And very often, I think that I know that we forget that we are baptized and confirmed Catholics and what that means. You know. Um, there's, um, there's a power that we have that we haven't even begun to tap into. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one thing that drives me a little batty is that it's like Pope, when Pope Francis was here, I think it was six years ago this fall, mm-hmm. he talked about how we go through life anesthetized. And I thought that was one of those things that just sort of like, hit me to so deeply because that's that's exactly what everything almost that surrounds us is doing it's it's distracting us from living a life of virtue from living the beatitudes you know Mm -hmm. um and so you know there's this there's this moment we've been living through that you know here I thought, you know, maybe, maybe the worst of it would be, you know, two weeks and, and here we are in September, you know, right. and, and we have this huge opportunity. Um, I, I think there's mercy from God in it um, to, to really, um, to really appreciate what's most important in life. And uh, it's not, uh, it's not frankly often what we wind up spending our days doing. Um, you know, obviously we have to, we have to work and, and we have to deal with, with 
living in in a country and you know they're there are you know, taxes we have to do, and there, there are things that are not, you know, not the most important things for our souls or whatever. But, but of course, being responsible is part of it. And one of the thing, things I love about Opus Day is is how they really drill into people, you know, the work, the work that you're, the washing of the dishes, you know, right. from the mess that your kids just made, you know, this there is you can you can orient that all toward God, you know. Um, so, so that is important, but, but, but also, you know, the thought, the thought that I kept having at the beginning of this and, and, and I still, still do try to constantly meditate on is we're not going to be here forever. You know, I Mm -hmm. got to a point where I had to stop. I just had to start living my life again, you know, because, um, uh, you know, I did go through the period of just sort of not going anywhere and I couldn't even go to mass. So, well, I don't really want to go anywhere then. And um, I mean, don't tell me the, the, the grocery, I know the grocery store is essential, but so is, so is the church. So is, so is mass. But, um, but you know, I it's, it's hard to look at anything the same um, anymore because, because, you know, yeah, we're all going to die. It may not be a coronavirus. And so how is, how is that, that newfound realization changing our lives? But it's not changing our lives if we're getting sucked into, you know, watching what's happening, you know, every night on, on TV and in some new city or, you know, getting upset about a Donald Trump or Joe Biden tweet or, uh, you know, speech or interview every hour mm-hmm. or, um, you know, so we really, I, I really think that we need to fight back against all the forces that want to distract us from the most important thing, which is getting to heaven with as many people with us as possible, you know? Absolutely. And in fact, on that note, that very note, that's something that's really been on my mind, Catherine, how to fight back against those forces that would keep us out of the public debate or the public conversation as, as, as charitably as we can put our words in, in a public conversation, as much as we may seek one and, and talk to people who are very angry. If we seek that, how can we engage in that. And it is a battle because we we know that that's why so many good people are silent right now. They're afraid of being bullied or they're afraid and afraid of being targeted because so many people are. And so even engaging that battle in the first place is the how to do it and what do we, how do we begin? You know, I think we have to begin with um, having a a real newfound appreciation for the gift of life. And the, mm. that means the, the gift of my life, the gift of your life, the gift of the life of any person I may encounter, whether it be on Zoom or, or um, at the grocery store or, or taking, taking an evening walk, you know. Um, Benedict has, uh, Pope Benedict has this line in one of his encyclicals, maybe it was The Splendor of Truth, um, Anyway, wherever it is, it's um, about looking into the other with the gaze of love, you know, see, seeing them as, as Christ sees them, um, seeing yourself as Christ sees you. Um, you know, I, this pandemic, you know, one of, the, one of the casualties of this pandemic is we had such a lonely, depressed, you know, society on the, urge, the, the verge of, of despair 
and that's only worsens with the with the shutdowns and losses of jobs and you know the the um absence of of the the appreciation for the necessity of the supernatural um and um and we really part of you know the when i say we have to fight against this all this culture the it's you know it's the gk chesterton quote what's wrong with the world me you know what are we really this is a time for rigorous 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 examination of conscience and um and a newfound again appreciation of prayer and reparation and what that what that can really do i tell this story of um the, the sisters of life are my dear friends and and yeah. i recently discovered that they um you know they have these little disciplines which is no surprise and and one of them involves you know you, you can have flavored coffee on solemnities you know and, oh, and wow. it, you, when i first discovered that i thought well wow that's that's kind of strict you know yeah, <laughs> and, that's strict. Uh, I hang around priests a lot, and they did it. <laughs> not only can they have flavored teas, I don't want to scandalize anybody, but <laughs> there are other drinks that they may have, you know? Right. And, and actually, what I was so moved, the more I meditated on that, you know, so I just make that joke about priests, right? The fact of the matter is, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, um, if you're in a rectory alone or, you know, there are drinking problems that develop, right? Cardinal Tobin mm-hmm. in New- Newark is actually in Alcoholics Anonymous and talks about this. And, um, and I, I, I feel like the, the sisters with that discipline are, are making up for some of the excesses, you know, um, too. And uh-huh. not, not the very serious ones necessarily, but maybe those too. And what it was, why, why I say that, you know, it's obviously not the most important thing in the world, but that's what's most important to me about it, actually. There are these little things that we can do that actually make a difference in the body of Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we will never know this, this side. Um, you know, every once in a while, God does give us a little, a, a, a little insight into something and I've been amazed sometimes when I, I have what seems a very, very clear, um, you know, almost like infused prayer about something and, and, and a fruit that, that may have um, been, been a result of it or a contribution. Wow. We really, I, I really think that the, ad, the, the appropriate, adequate, necessary Christian response to all of this this year um, I mean, into life in general, but we've been giving, given this, this massive invitation and um, it has to, it has to involve looking at the other differently. It has to involve, and not with fear. One of the things that, that has heartened me is, you know, the first couple of days I was venturing out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the mass, the mass sort of break my heart because you can't smile at people and you can't see that you're smiling at them. But, but so I started waving at people and other people are doing the same I'm seeing uh-huh. and, and, or, or people will, whereas there may have been a smile before, now there's a good morning, you know? Um, and uh, I, we really, you know, tiny, those are tiny things. There are bigger things that we have to do. But the thing about living a life of virtue and being serious about examination of conscience and being serious about having a daily relationship encounter with Jesus Christ is that it 
it slowly transforms you. It changes you over time, getting to confession. You know, I know I've heard so many people who, you know, have, I still say, you know, it's hard to get to confession. Um, I ha or I just haven't been to confession since this all started. If you can get to confession, go to confession. It's, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it's, it's oh, just, amen. It's just such, such a blessing, such a blessing. And I do remember the first time I went, um, at, you know, in the midst of this, I think, I think in, in May, I finally, and maybe mid-May, I finally got to confession. And, you know, I said, Father, forgive me. It was like March sometime. And I, I don't even know. I've, <laughs> I've done so many things wrong. And I, I can tell you about this, that, and that, but, you know, but, but gosh, I, I felt, I felt, 30 pounds lighter <laughs> and yeah. when I when I left the confessional um take advantage of of that it's so good to to witness that to people listening who may it may have been a long time but I was just absolutely mortified I just you know badly 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 for this is doesn't come that comes first comes second is when they're going to open the hair, hair salons again but don't don't get me going on that because it's just, it sounds so vain doesn't but when you really need a haircut and you just need anyway that's another thing and other things are called essential services that you can my my dog could be groomed and i couldn't so oh. but, but that was but that was the biggest and i'm going to say it as a quick aside sort of joke it really was true but it's also funny but what you say was so true when across the country depending on where you are some people's churches were opened way sooner than others some of my really good friends on up on the east coast and in the midwest uh you know i'm in chicago but they were uh they're all over the place they were able to walk to their nearby parish because they live close and they could drop in and slip into a pew and pray or do adoration or, or go to confession or have spiritual direction I, and mass i kept thinking oh my gosh oh wow my, my church has been locked that was back you know a while ago not all that long ago, actually, but uh, my church was locked for a very long time in my diocese, and and I couldn't get in. Um, I'm outside Chicago, but but I, you know, a lot of us out here in my my area could not get even into the door of church. Right. And so right. then when, when finally, Catherine, when they started confession again, it was a very modified schedule, unlike the former one, at least, you know, for this point. I know exactly what you mean. It's, you know, bless me, Father, I sin. It's been, oh, just, I was mortified. I mean, I think I wanted yeah. it out. It's too long, too long since my last confession. <laughs> I think he chuckled. And, I, and I, I told him, like, literally, I don't know, since, like, you know, mid-March or something. So it was really um, too long for me, that's for sure. And you come out truly in light like feeling lighter than, yeah. than like a bird i mean you just i always do but especially when it's been that long and you've been denied it and the same with mass and receiving the eucharist again um some people worry that and i can understand why that a lot of people being able to attend to participate in a mass that's you know televised or on other broadcasts uh, that's fine for the coronavirus time understood but when they start offering it, and you can, and those who are not vulnerable to the disease as much in, in different groups, uh, do go in again. Oh my gosh, the difference it makes, even when mm. modified. But, but, but talking about that, everything, I don't think there's any area of life this does not touch. Talk about this, Catherine, how everything is so changed now because of COVID and the, the safety measures we all need to exercise everywhere including in church that it's only every third pew in my church and every so far apart you know if a family is together down there you got to go all the way down here and an usher takes you there and of course the mass the sanitizing all of that is that but the idea of what you said when you look 
quoting Benedict, looking into the face of the other with a gaze of love. Catherine, it's not a human, it's not our human nature to look at the other, to look at anyone in the face and through and with a mask on all we see are the as you said they, we can't tell if there's a smile except you can see when eyes are kind of smiling and more than irish eyes you can see that and yet it's just not our nature and it never will be thank god to have to look at people with the mask on so that changes how we we interact with each other and you just brought up some really good points so then nod so then wave so look into their eyes so say something right yeah 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 look, you know, look at the whole person, realize this is, this is a, a child of God, you know, and, um, and, and fight against the, the obstacle, you know, um, which doesn't mean don't wear the mask, you know, just deal with the reality as it is and, and insert more love into it. And one thing, Sheila, I want to say about the mask is, um, not being present at the mass for so long mm -hmm. is, was so excruciatingly painful. And what it made me realize um, was like, I needed to be present at the mass. And that did not mean, if you told me that I could go to mass but not receive communion because it was a danger to the priest or myself or whatever, I would still be there. Because you, there, during the sacrifice in the mass, there, there is a, a union between heaven and earth that happens nowhere else. There's, you know, it's like the veil is, is lifted a bit and you can go to God with everything. And that's what I do at mass. I give him everything. And, um, you know, all, everything I'm worried about, all the things people are telling me, all the news I'm hearing that is just so horrific, mm -hmm. just give it all to him because only he can do anything about it. And, um, yeah, watching it on TV is not a substitute. And, you know, thanks be to God, yeah, we could when we had to. Mm -hmm. But if you can get yourself back to Mass, you want to be present for the consecration. This is the greatest prayer there is. We are, we are people of hope because of the Mass. We have no hope without the Mass, um, without Jesus Christ. And so get as close to him as you can. Um, thanks be to God for the, even in New York City, which was, of course, you know, hurt, mm. hurt so much um, in, during the, the heart of this, uh, Dominican, there were some Dominican parishes that, that had adoration all day on Sundays, mm. uh, you know, they would keep the doors open as much as they could, but I do know that, that from place to place, parish to parish, um, you know, it would be different. There were some that were locked for, for months. Um, and, uh, and even, you know, I even know in, um, in Washington, DC, the beautiful Franciscan monastery there, they, they've been closed since March, oh, um, wow. because of, um, I think they have older priests there. They had someone who was, who was connected, a, a, a brother who, who actually, I think was the first person in, in DC to die of coronavirus. So they oh, obviously, um, are, um, are there's sensitivity and vulnerabilities there. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we, we really, I hate using the phrase now more than ever, you know, but, but we, you and I, everyone listening, we only have one life to live and the days are passing. And, um, and this year, I, I really think, you know, in a, in a collective cultural way, we, um, 
we need to have this renewed newfound appreciation for it and and the urgency of of living every day with um total orientation toward god you know Absolutely. Um, and and helping others do the same you know like what are we talking about what are we spending our leisure time doing what you know don't don't um don't zone out don't you know i mean the, the anesthetizing you know is is i yeah. think it's 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 the you know everything we go to less go to you to lessen the pain you know um tv and 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 alcohol and you know this the darn screens whatever's on the screen you know yeah. step away from the screens sometime and it, look i'm preaching to myself believe me on on uh on this as much as anybody else um we the, there's there's a fullness of life that we we don't always live and that fullness of life is is um life in the trinity living with the father son and holy spirit like this amazing awesome unbelievably mysterious and yet you know just it, it's a, when you when you were really seeking to do that it's this this uh incredible you know fire that is set to your life that um that is the stuff of the saints but the stuff of the saints is not some exotic thing it's what we're called to oh, oh and so so many saints i mean when you were talking earlier about the sisters of life on on solemnities and, and and feast days that then they can have flavored coffee i mean that discipline that some mm -hmm. religious orders live under oh my gosh that reminded me immediately of my beloved teresa of avila among my other beloved saints and, and how her sisters would, would seem to often give her a very hard time but one time they gave her a hard time about her favorite. She loved different things. I, a confection I remember seeing all around Avila when there, and I thought, ooh, this didn't look too good to me, but, it, but she loved it. Uh, but another thing she loved was partridge. And so she was, she was just delighted that, that they were going to have a, a, part, a wonderful partridge dinner uh, at the, the convent. And the sisters were sort of scolding her that they should have more, a more penitential life. And she said, she's the superior. And, she, and Teresa Bava said, there is a time for penance and there's a time for partridge. And this is a time for partridge. And I use that line sometimes. Oh, that's great. Because that's what I'm thinking when you say solemnities, feast days, the sisters of life have flavored coffee. That's so Catherine, to the, to those who, who might not understand this, talk about that a little bit more that the offerings, because you, you said that, that we may not ever know and we probably won't certainly, almost certainly won't on this side of the veil, what difference that makes. And yet it will make a major difference when you offer up, whether it's sufferings, true sufferings, pain, agony, sufferings of a mental sort, emotional sort, any, any sort, or phys physical sort, uh, or uh, whether it's just, you know, do something like denying yourself something and, and then being disciplined in that way. I, gosh, I really want this, but I'm going to deny myself that. Offering that up for whatever, you know, God knows it is needed for, that, that, that would enable us to live again the Beatitudes. And if we, sometimes it might not come down to marching out somewhere and joining a movement and in some action like that, the pro-life movement, we can talk about that in a moment. We need to. But sometimes when we do these things, we're talking about offering up and being people of the Beatitudes towards others. Uh, th that, that has power that we will not know in this life. And we'll only know on the other side of the veil, but we, we need to do it knowing that 
that God knows where to apply that. And I love that you brought up the Trinity because I'm very Trinitarian. So offering that to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right there, you can just put a big smile on your face and know that's going to go very far towards, towards making things good and, and true and, and justly ordered and rightly ordered again. I have to recommend to everyone listening, there's, there's a short YouTube video from um, Father James Brent, who's a Dominican on suffering um, mm. that over the, I, maybe he did it a month or two ago. It is so beautiful, so powerful and, and talks about um, like the hospital bed as an altar. Um, and wow. um, it's so reverent and almost radiant in the way that he talks about in a real way, you know, acknowledging the pain of suffering. Um, but, but what, what a, what a beacon it is in the world when someone is, is, is suffering with such faithfulness. I, I've been watching um, two of uh, my very good friends in, in their cancer fights. And actually now that I say two, I'm thinking of some more um, um, as well. Young, young people who, um, family people um, who, um, who have had these, these cancer fights and, um, and the beauty with which they suffer is just incredible. Um, the, the trust, the faith, uh, really, and obviously it's painful and it's, it's awful and it's scary and it's all of these things. And so we're not, you know, um, not sugarcoat that, not ignore that. Um, but they, they really, they really believe what they say they believe. And so they, they have to trust that God, that God knows what he's doing because God knows what he's about. And, um, I just, it, it just, these people amaze me. They really do. I remember talking once to, um, an, a, a priest from, from Iraq, um, and he had been tortured and, and, um, oh, yeah. Uh, Father Douglas Bozzi was right. his name. And I, he, he was talking and he doesn't like talking about this. And it took me hours and hours to get, to get him to, to actually do it. Um, but um, so he talked about some of the details of the torture and some of the things that were said to him. And, and, you know, ultimately they want you to renounce your faith and, um, and tell you where everybody else is and how to get to them and, you know, divulge things and and he wouldn't and he um you know as he's describing these things to me and what's going through his head I said um I said I what what was it you you must have had this you know this such strong faith to be able to withstand this and and he said to me look I I was just just a priest. It was just, you know, a priest trying to do priestly things. And, you know, I got picked up one night and uh, um, God gives you the grace. He said, Catherine, if, if, if you were in this situation, you, you would have, you would have done exactly what I did, um, but probably better. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. he, uh, he said in his humility, he said, God gives us the grace. Um, if we keep going, um, we keep being faithful to him, you know, uh -huh. um, and, um, and I, I think of that so often, and I, I think about the importance of all those little things that, you know, it's the Mother Teresa quote, and I, Teresa, I think, has a similar one about doing small things, small things with great love, right? You know, right, right. I think 
some of us go through life waiting for that moment where God is going to have us do this magnificent feat, you know, <laughs> you know, it's actually all the small things and maybe he will, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, one of my, the biggest pet peeves I have in life and I have for many, many years and decades now, I don't like people sitting around complaining about bishops <laughs> um, yeah. and their lack of courage and all the rest. And some of it Not may good. be absolutely true. <laughs> you know, we know it is. <laughs> some of it is true. Um, and obviously we've had grave sins and crimes in the church, but I also know a number of bishops and mm -hmm. I, I know a, a number of good, holy, pure, I mean, pure um, bishops, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it's so important for us to remember that we are part of the church. We are leaders in the church. It's not just them. It's not just the priests and bishops. They're, you know, to pretend that every fault in the church, every filthy thing, every, you know, non-courageous thing is only the fault of the bishops is to, to majorly uh, not consider our own sins. And yes, you know, I am not responsible for, you know, a priest being moved, you know, who was, who was in, in the midst of a scandal or something. But I'm responsible in as much as I'm not a perfect person. I, you know, I, I sometimes I do the thing that I really shouldn't be doing, you know. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm very lazy about, you know, disciplines and, you know, I drink the flavored tea, but it's not a <laughs> sin. But, you know, every once in a while, it's the no meat on Fridays, you know, the, it, pick a couple of little things. So you were talking, Sheila, about, you know, maybe not joining the activist movement, but if you're watching CNN every night or Fox News or whatever the heck you're watching, and you're getting upset about young people on the streets screaming and, you know, burning things down, offer something up in, in, in mm. reparation for that happening. Offer something up for the conversion of these people. Offer something up mm -hmm. for the end of racism. Offer something up, yes, for the end of abortion. Do we really think this is the human rights issue of our day? I certainly do. I think we're going to have to answer for the things that we didn't do. We will. And the things we were complicit in. And so what are we doing? Yeah, so maybe, maybe you used to volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center and you can't do that because of pandemic restrictions. So how about offering a rosary every day for the, for the women who are, are on the verge of having an abortion, for the women who, who just had an abortion, for, for the end to this scourge on, um, on our, our country and, and world that, that ruins so many uh, souls in addition to the lives it kills. Um, you know, really, really, you know, weeping and prayer for the evil that is wrecking people's lives, you know. Um, there's so much more that we can do, and we can do it as fully integrated people who, you know, can, can also, you know, play sequence or, you know, with our, our friend or family or, you know, make, have leisure time too. It's important as, as your, your partridge story, yeah. Mother Agnes from the Sisters of Life, the day that they had, um, you know, they had their live stream uh, final profession. 
and she said, um, she said, you know, we, in the midst of this, it's so important to also celebrate, you know, also have joy. Yes. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, I'm not saying sackcloth and ashes, you know, all the time, but, um, there, there's some real serious need for, for, um, really having a, a, a penitential, um, culture that really, really is serious about reparation and sacrifice and knows that has trust that God uses all of these things for all of those things that are just so dark in our culture. And it, it gives me such um, hope knowing that because we each yeah. have more power than we realize, you know? Oh, that's very true. Uh, uh, real quick, I want to get, to, I want to stay on that, the both and, the pen, doing penance and prayer for, again, with the power we will not see in this life to change things for the good. And also deeds in today's, on the day we're talking right now, in today's morning prayer, I love that one of the, I believe it was one of the Psalms, there was just, it was like the Lexio Divina moment where it comes off the page of you. It's God judges deeds. And I, I stopped on that and reread it, and I thought, oh, gosh, a lot of a lot of you know, all of us need to think about the deeds we're doing and the the deeds we're seeing on the screen out there. Everyone will have to render an account, as you said, Catherine, for what they did and what they did not do. To that note, and my my guest has been, is continues to be for a few more moments. Catherine Jean Lopez, senior fellow at the National Review Institute's Center for Religion, Culture, and Civil Society, and editor at large of National Review. Catherine, to on that point, and you knew I was going to bring this up, but I really, really want to bring this up because sometimes we really do have to take a stand when people are really afraid to right now. But it goes back, I love how going back to the beginning of National Review when William F. Buckley founded it, he said, he's quoted as saying among many, 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 probably countless quotable things, he, he was asked about uh, National Review and taking a position and so on. And he said, middle of the road is politically, intellectually, and morally repugnant. He said, we shall recommend policies for the simple reason that we consider them right rather than non-controversial. And we consider them right because they're based on principles we deem right rather than on popularity polls. So you know what? Even though that was way back in the, what, mid to late 50s, that applies now as much as ever. And people are so afraid of taking a stand, again, because of being uh, targeted. And yet you do it so well on National Review Charity with clarity with charity, and even call out, you know, members of government at the highest levels and those who want to be that. Like this recent time when Joe Biden was talking about, he gave a speech and wrapped it up with a John Paul II quote uh, about, you know, about, I guess, life. But quoting, oh, be not afraid, be not afraid. Be not afraid. And as there, yeah, no, he quoted, be not afraid. And um, look, here's the thing. Um, I, um, I'm not happy with either presidential candidate. I'm not an apologist for one team or the other here. Um, but I, uh, it infuriates me when Joe Biden uses the church um, because he, he should know better. Um, he knew better at one point in his life. I don't, I don't know what, what his conscience looks like. You know, we can never know. Um, what one's conscience look like. Um, right. I suspect, you know, he, he thinks he's doing a lot of this in good conscience. Um, yeah, but don't, don't quote John Paul II to me if you will not take a look at 
the gospel of life, you know, mm -hmm. um, don't quote John Paul II to me. And, uh, and I think, honestly, I think everyone should be rereading the gospel of life right now and mm -hmm. me meditating on what, what about my life can, can I change? So I'm, I'm really living this because I think part, part of the reason, you know, we're so bad off in our country is, uh, is because we're not doing that. I think that honestly, you know, you go back and you look, I, I, I was reading something. I don't think I ever read again before. It was a letter that Padre Pio sent to Paul VI about hmm. human mana vitae. And, um, and, uh, you know, basically, you know, affirming that, that everything he's saying, um, is, is so important. And, and, um, and you could almost hear in his words, Padre Pio's, um, uh, anguish over the fact that that the truth wasn't being received within the church in such a, um, a such a, a big way and um, such a divisive way and when you look back um, at, at so much after after humanity Vitae, after the council um, you know when Paul VI talked about the smoke of Satan in the church like you see it to this day and the culture is suffering because of it. And I really think, you know, Marianne Glendon has this great um, construct where she talks about how Catholics in, in America have either been chameleons or turtles. They either blend in with the culture or they try to hide and hope no one notices them. And we cannot live like that anymore. And that I think is part of the lesson invitation rally of of this year this crazy right. year of 2020 that is not anything any of us would have planned and um is driving a lot of us crazy it's an invitation to re really living the christian life because it's not just your soul on the line it's every single other person in the world who is suffering who is being drowned in misery um we really we owe it to the world and it's what god is calling us to you know it is who we are if we are being authentic christians we must be serious about these things and and gosh and do so joyfully you know i mean being around people who who yeah. are really trying to be faithful it's such a beautiful thing it's fun it's it's uh, contagious it's energizing it's hard but oh my goodness tell me the the alternative isn't hard you know right all, and you all, don't have the misery all of the but that's right so many people are miserable and in in coronavirus despairing. Just exacerbate is exacerbates it all and despairing there's so, so much how about more do the hard work that's joyful and true you know <laughs> right that's the hard work isn't it being joyful right but, now but, but it's hard work being miserable and despairing too so, oh, so why don't you choose the version that's, that gives you some hope <laughs> Oh, there's, there's every hope in being joyful. And some people think, well, I, I need to be prodded to be joyful. I mean, what's going to make me joy? What, what's the thing I should be joyful about? Again, remind me. No, not really. All you need to do is give it two seconds of thought that you're alive. You know, it, the it, truth that, is the resurrection. And the truth is, I look at a cross. 
just look at a cross. And, and, and so, Catherine, earlier you were you were talking about th that we all, you know, our days are numbered. We have no, we know not the day nor the hour when we'll take our last breath. That's when we face our immediate uh, judge, personal judgment, and we will have to render and count on all of that. It brings me back to that. Use use our time so well. And every day, try better and harder. Start anew with that, that prayer in the morning, first thing. Thanking God for another day of life, another moment of life, another hour of life, and use it better. And, and, and Catherine, I'll, I'll wrap that up with this. And I, I never, I might have said it to you before, but um, it's walking into a restaurant with my family. Oh, a long time ago. You know, they've got music piped in over the loudspeaker thing, um, the system. And as we walked in the very door, the, the, the lyrics I heard over my head were, if you knew that you would die today and see the face of, face of God and live, would you change? And that really hit me. Yeah. And I, I looked it up. It was Tracy Chapman. But the point is, what lyrics? If you knew that you would die today and see the face of God and live, would you change? That, that's kind of a, yes. a good question to ask yes. oneself every day. <laughs> <laughs> So, the answer is yes. Uh, yes, I <laughs> please, would change. Please, yeah. God, give me the grace. Give me the Work grace a miracle. to Right now. Uh, oh, Catherine. Right now. You, <laughs> Lord, please give me patience, and I need it now. Um, <laughs> no, I want to be a good person. I need to start now. Well, he's saying, okay, what's holding you up? Uh, anyway, Catherine, you're such a blessing to talk with. I love your writing because it is filled with hope and joy and mercy and compassion and gratitude. And you and I have always felt the same, uh, inspired the same to try to highlight those things. It always amazes me how at the beginning of a new year, uh, January beginning, we always, uh, I remember years ago, we both would think, I didn't know you were, you certainly didn't know I was until we talked again that we were probably praying for discernment for that year and our work and so on and so on. And we were always getting inspired with the exact same message for that year. And, and I know both of us are all about foster care, adoption, family, uh, life, the life movement. You brought up gospel of life, and this is the time to read that. When, and if Joe Biden wants to cite, even cite John Paul II, he better start by backing up and reading the gospel of life. And, and you've written about Alexandria, AOC, and DJT, and how both of them have made people think of God. And I th I'll leave that for the next time we talk. <laughs> and let that be a tea for the next time Catherine comes back. But yeah, I love how you take these things in the news and then you, you find what's important in them to the transcendent and the spiritual, and you put it out in a column at National Review. So thank you for that and for standing up for human life and, and goodness and beauty and truth. I, it, and I'm just trying to stay health, healthy here because otherwise <laughs> I'll just get too angry, you know? <laughs> no, you're doing a good job and you're, you're putting a smile on a lot of other faces, masked or not. Uh, so <laughs> I, I appreciate as your friend and just a, a reader of your as long time what you do and how you witness and you use that platform teaches all of us use what god puts in front of you and he'll take care of the rest that spiritual well, direction sheila, i got from a priest a long time ago sheila you are excellent at what you do um you drive some really wonderful important conversations that help people and so i'm so glad that you have this podcast and i always um Thank God for the opportunity to talk with you and, and your listeners. Oh, I do with you as well, my friend. And I, I follow, as you know, I follow and save so much. I follow everything you write and I save oh, so much. You know much more about what I write than I do. <laughs> so, so when you come on, you never know what I'm going to pull out. Like, yeah, I'm like, really? I wrote that? Okay, if you say so, I guess you're right. <laughs> Sometimes you'll ask, when did I write that? And I'll look at the year or the date or whatever. And it's fun. It's always fun. Catherine, you're, you're a blessing to everyone who meets you and everyone who knows you. Catherine Jean Lopez, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, Sheila.
That's all for now. This is important information. It's great to spend time with you and share it. And in fact, speaking of that, thanks for tuning in. I ask you to share this link with others and invite them to join us here in the forum.